Do you know what? God is amazing. We are so... I'm so thankful, you know, God's amazing. That time we just had was really special. And... um, And I want to thank the band for, for that, for being open to being led by the Holy Spirit. Um, it's just a little glimpse of where we will be a lot, you know. Um, um, and during praise and worship, during that time we just had, I had, um, I saw partway through, I think it was, I can't remember when exactly, but I saw the Holy Spirit come as a dove and descend down over here, and it was really big. And uh, and then, and then I saw I don't know if you've ever seen um, people when they're welding. You know the sparks, the 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 incredible heat. Um, But I saw this massive, massive column, and it was huge. It was like I don't know, like this. Thank you. (laughs) And, And and it went round like this. And it was just smashing down on the ground. And it was so big. And it was, um, it was like fire. But it was like sparks. And, uh, and, then, and it would hit the ground and then it would splash out like that. And um, I know God's got some amazing things for us. God wants... God wants to move in ways that he's, he's not moved before. And so, um, and it, but it, it, he needs us to be willing vessels. Yeah, he does. And, uh, and so that was very, very cool. God's got um, so many, you know, oh, I don't know where to start really, but <laughs> except to say that... And my nose is only running because I've been crying. <laughs> I just have to say that. <laughs> Thank you for that correction. Um, God's been speaking to, to me about how God supplies and multiplies. And there's a scripture, and uh, Pastor Robin knows it really well. I don't have it here. It's that one about the sons and daughters, the earth groans for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Yeah. And it is in Romans 8. It says in verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labours with birth pangs together until now. And, and what it's saying is that where, is that, where does that bit say about that there? But 
but God's glory will be seen on us. And, and there's so much to that. So what I want to talk about today is just one part of that. God does supply and he does multiply. And we're living in a world that's very unpredictable and uncertain. And there's a lot of fear around, but it doesn't need to be in our midst. God said to us as children, he's told us 365 times, do not fear in the Bible. Do not fear. That's one for every day. Do you know that worrying is actually a form of fear? It's something that we've all done, I'm sure. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow. And there's been so much going on in the world, it's so easy to get your eyes on that and off God. Because we, we see it all the time. It's all over the news if you bother to watch it, which I don't. But... Uh, you know, there's supply chain issues and all that kind of stuff, and it's and it's and it's a, it, there's all sorts of reasons for it, but um, it's m mostly, in my thought, uh, because of the response of countries to the COVID-19 thing. But it's caused a ripple effect with ships not being able to unload or load their cargo. There's been bottlenecks and labour shortages as well, because heaps of staff are off sick. And so there's delay after delay after delay for supplies. And prices are rising. And fuel prices are rising and grocery prices are rising and every other price is, is rising as well. Um, building products we've noticed particularly because we're, we're doing quite a bit of building. We're, uh, our, just for one example, plywood has gone up from... Is it $25 a sheet to 55 And that's, so it was $25 a sheet in November. Today it's at least 55 It's nearly 60 now for one sheet of plywood. And that's inflation. And some, there have been some that have said that we might be entering a time of hyperinflation, which is inflation on steroids. It's when prices rise rapidly. But do you know what? God said, don't worry about tomorrow. <laughs> and he didn't just say that because he thought he'd just say something nice to make us feel better. He's given us everything we need. Everything we need. He says don't worry, but then he's given us all the tools. <laughs> God's amazing. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now we sow seed, don't we? He supplies our seed. 
And it says here, he'll supply and multiply that seed. So he's going to do that for us. And in verse 6, if you go back a little bit, it says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. We've heard this a lot. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And in verse 8, God, it says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance. <laughs> it's everywhere in the Bible if you look. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Thank you, God. So what can be done about what's going on in the world? Well, that time of hyperinflation may not happen. It may happen. It may not happen. But what we need, to, we don't need to worry about that. God says, do not worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about that at all doesn't matter what the prices of things are because God is our supplier. The world is not our supplier. Our job is not our supplier. Our business is not our supplier either. God is. So what we need to decide now is, is God my source of provision or am I trusting man? Am I going to Trust God as my source, or am I going to trust man? Yep. If your answer is God, then this is the message for you. <laughs> as God's children, you know, we're, we're, we're the body of Christ, aren't we? Joint ears with Christ Jesus. And uh, God loves us unconditionally. So he's not left us, he's not accepted us as his children and then just left us out in the cold with nothing. He gives us everything we need. He's our provider. And, you know, we can be confident that he will sustain us in these times if we put our confidence or our faith in him. He will sustain us. And it's everywhere in the Bible. But in Psalm 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. And in Psalm 37, 25, it says, I have been young and now I'm old. In other words, this person's lived a long time. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. So God has promised us that he will supply. He will supply. He'll never see us begging bread. In fact, he wants overflow for us. He wants multiplication. He wants not to not only supply us, he wants to multiply. <laughs> he wants to overflow us with blessing and with provision so that we are a storehouse. I think we need to have a, a mental shift in how we think of the church. The church is a supply house when I say the church, you are the church. <laughs> you are the ecclesia. We are the ecclesia. It's not a building. So what we need to remember is, are we going to be uh, faith using our faith or are we going to be in fear? Faith, right? 
We have to trust God and stay in faith. We've got to trust God. So in good times, would you agree that in good times, it's, our, it's those times that our faith isn't really tested that much? Eh? We might apply our faith for little bits and pieces, but you know, it's, it's when we go through the hard times, that's when our faith is really tested. You know, to trust God means to put all our confidence in him and take him at his word. His word says we're healed, for example. His word says um, he is our provider, as another example. There's so many things that God has said he will do for us. He said that if we trust him, he will save us, he will strengthen us, he will help us and deliver us. That's in Psalm 37, verses 39 to 40. So how's God going to multiply our seed? <laughs> God will supply our seed, first of all, when we give in faith. You know, we, we've got our giving box up here today because I'm going to take up the tithes and offerings um, after this. But, you know, a lot of us give online. Um, that's, that's one of the ways we give. It's one of the ways that God um, expects us to give. Also, there's lots of other, other things too. But... God has given us promises when it comes to giving um, from Malachi that he'll pour out such blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. That sounds like abundance to me, doesn't it? <laughs> we, when we give, we give in faith. There's always faith. The key is always faith. It's that confidence in God. It's trusting him. So he will not only supply our seed, but he will also multiply our seed when we apply our faith as well. And that means supernatural comes into it. Supernatural means it's not natural. <laughs> it, isn't, it isn't natural. So it's not going to make any sense to your logical mind. Some of us are more logical than others, and if you have more logic than others, then you might find this harder to cope with. <laughs> But it just means that it's beyond our comprehension of our natural mind. Because God says in Matthew 19.26, with God all things are possible. With God all things are possible. All things. All things are. So what can God multiply? He can multiply anything he likes. But it would include food. It would include fuel. It would include our income even. It would include pretty much anything that needs multiplication. You know, John 10.10, 10, uh, Jesus said, let me read it to you. Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. There's a lot of stealing and killing and destroying going on in the world. That's the enemy's, uh, the result from what the enemy tries to do. But Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and they is you, okay? That they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. God's promised us abundant life. I really want you to catch this today. You know, he can, he can multiply our food. He can multiply our groceries when we apply our faith. He can multiply our income. He can, uh, he can give us incredibly good deals that are like multiplication, he can do things like um, stop our clothes and shoes wearing out 
Why not? Why can't he do that? He can. He has. He will do again. <laughs> Make sure you choose shoes you like, though, okay? <laughs> but God can... There's no reason why God can't grow new limbs. There's no reason why God can't replace bodily organs. There's no reason why he can't heal incurable diseases. He can, and he does, and he will. He can repair DNA. He's rather clever. <laughs> Much more clever than anybody in this world that might try to manipulate DNA. God is the original one that made us, so he knows us inside out. He can heal blood disorders. He can heal broken hearts. He can heal emotional wounds to our soul. He can heal, tra heal trauma. He can heal PTSD. He can do anything. He can open deaf ears. He can make blind eyes see. He can replace eyes. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, Ephesians 3.20 says, above all that we ask or think. And listen to this, according to the power that works in us. <laughs> we need to apply our faith. I want to give you some examples on multiplication because that's what our focus is today. So I want to give you, um, I want to go through a few of them. I'll do more than I did this morning earlier. So 1 Kings 17 I'm going to tell you the story. I want you to think about this because this is what God wants to do now. God wants to do this now. So there'd been, so Ahab was on the throne. He's an evil king. He married Jezebel, which was a big mistake. He uh, bought he just brought the whole Baal worship into Israel, which is sacrifice of innocent lives. Um, and anyway, Elijah had proclaimed a drought. And so he was out in the wilderness. And then God said to him in verse 9, Arise, go to Zarephath. So this is chapter 17 of 1 Kings, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. So in other words, he's saying, go there. And this is where I want you to base yourself. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came there to the city or the gate of the city, a woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And she went off to get it for him. And he, he called her and he said, Can you also bring me a morsel of bread as well in your hand? <laughs> and she replied, said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. I've only got a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I can go and prepare it for myself and my son so that we can eat it and then die. So she was, there was a drought. When you have a drought, you can't have food because the food won't grow. And so all she had left was a little bit of flour in a bin and a little bit of oil in a jar. That's all she had left. And she had resigned herself to dying. However, Elijah in verse 13 said, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake 
first. Okay, so he, he did it first. And bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord, the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry. That's cool. God wants to do that for us. 2 Kings 4, here's another example. This is Elisha this time. Verse 1. So she, she, uh, she said, My husband is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. So in other words, she's saying, My husband feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So they obviously owed money. And so the only solution was that the person that they owed money to would take her sons and have them as slaves. That's a pretty horrible thing to have happen, isn't it? And Elisha said, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? What have you got to work with? Okay. And uh, she said, I've got nothing except a jar of oil. And then he said, go and borrow all the vessels you can. Get as many as you've got in the house, plus get more. Go and borrow them from your neighbor. Go and get them from your family. Bring them all here. Um, don't, don't just get a few, get lots. And he said in verse 4, when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Now, as I said before, it doesn't make logical sense because multiplication is supernatural. Hey. So when she went, so do you know what she did? She did it. She, she believed the word and did it. And she shut the door and the sons were bringing one jar at a time to her. Knock, 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 got another jar, mum. And she filled it up. And then when the vessels were full, she said to one of her sons, bring me another vessel. And he said, there's none left. So the oil ceased at that point. And Elisha said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. That's what God wants us to be doing. That's what God wants to do for us. He wants to multiply. If you turn over the page to verse 42 of the same chapter, so a man had bought um, so like an offering of the first fruits and there was 20 loaves of barley bread and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And Elisha said to him, okay, give it to the people that they may eat. And there was 100 men. And he just carried a little bit on his, in his backpack. And he said, what? Shall I set this before 100 men? And he said again, give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. And so he set it before them and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. That's multiplication too. Because clearly he thought he only had enough for a few people. And God multiplied it. He had to apply his faith. And as he was doing, as he was giving it out, it multiplied. And none of it makes logical sense. But that's how God's going to provide for us. He's going to provide for us like that. Um, okay, quickly, if we move to Exodus 16. So this is the uh, Israelites. They'd 
come out of Egypt. God had done amazing things, part of the Red Sea, all sorts of stuff. Just simply getting out of Egypt was a miracle in itself. And if I read verse 12 and 14, if you want to go back and do a study of your own, I'd really recommend it. Exodus is an amazing book to read. Um, Chapter 16 is what I'm focusing on, but I'm just going to read from verse 12. God said, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak to them, Moses, and and say, at twilight you shall eat meat, because they were whinging about having no food, you see. They're saying, what did you bring here? We didn't give, you didn't give us any food. We're starving in the wilderness. You know, They'd seen God do all these amazing things, and yet they were um, thinking God wouldn't provide food. But anyway, he did. He said, um, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. If you turn over to verse 31, so that name of that substance was manna. And it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Hmm. And in verse 35 it says, And the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years. And the only reason why they had to do that for 40 years was because why? (laughs) Their disobedience. But God still provided for them. And it just meant that they had to eat manna for 40 years. (laughs) But this is pretty cool. If you turn to Deuteronomy 29.5, it says... And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. So God not only provided them food, but their clothes didn't wear out. That's, uh, that's abundance, that's multiplication, that's supply, isn't it? You know, the, the interesting thing is that, and this is intriguing, and it's actually, um, we have to be careful we don't do this. The Israelites had become dependent in their mind on man or Egypt for their provision. They looked back at Egypt and thought that even though they had no freedom, at least they were fed and clothed. And so they developed a dependency on the government of Egypt, basically, wasn't it? Our God is the one that supplies our need. Egypt is a type of the world system. We can't be trusting in man. We can't be trusting in the world system. God might provide us for us through the world system, but that is not our source. God is our source, not man. So we need to ensure that our trust is in God, not the government or any other business or organization. So let me just read you something. I'll just confirm that. In Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9, it says, It is better to trust, this is so clear, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Who are the princes? 
You could think of them as the people in the world that kind of control stuff, you know? But God is our supplier, not those people. God is our supplier. And the cool thing is, I'm going to give give you another story, Matthew 14. I hope your faith is rising here because God is our provider and God wants to multiply. So Matthew 14, verse 13, um, this is the feeding of the 5,000. So he and the disciples went into a deserted place. Verse 14, um, he saw a huge, Jesus saw a huge multitude and he was moved with compassion and healed their sick. Verse 15, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send them away, send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. (laughs) There were 5,000 people, by the way, and that's just men. And there was also women and children as well. So there's potentially 10,000 people there, or maybe more. So Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they said, we've only got five loaves and two fish. That's all we've got. And he said, bring them here. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained and there were 5,000 men. Then Jesus did it again. So in verse... Chapter 15, he fed 4,000 people. (laughs) Verse 32, maybe they didn't learn quick enough. But Jesus called his disciples to him and said, because they are somewhere again and it's getting late and they need to go and get food anyway, he said, um, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I don't want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. That's what Jesus said. And his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a a great multitude? And Jesus said, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few little fish. So again, he commanded them to sit down. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the multitude. And they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. (laughs) Now, I want you to note this. The food wasn't actually multiplied when Jesus blessed and broke it. It wasn't multiplied at that point. And by the way, when it says blessed and broke, um, it doesn't mean he broke it into 5,000 pieces or 4,000 pieces. (laughs) To break bread is a Jewish custom of saying a blessing at the start of a meal. While, um, and so while giving the blessing, literally, they would break the bread. Okay? So, and here's an example of what Jesus might have said, because this is still done in Jewish custom today. He would have said something like, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has brought forth bread from the earth. And so you notice that the focus in that blessing is on God and giving thanks and praise to God. It's actually not on the food. 
It's, it's thanking God and praising him for his amazingness and recognizing him as the source. And I was thinking about this because I was thinking, we've been saying grace for years where we say, thank you, God, for this food, blah, blah, blah. And, um, but what we really need to be doing is thanking God for his awesome power and his love and his blessing and, for, and through his supply, he supplied us with what we've got. But what I want you to get is that the food was multiplied when the disciples had to step out in faith. The food was multiplied when they stepped out in faith and started giving it out. That's when it was multiplied. So by faith, they had to pass out the food. That's what we're going to need to do. Okay? As they passed it out, it multiplied. And... Um, I just want to ask Ken, could you come and give that little example that you told me of last week about the fuel, please? Yeah? Just we'll keep it. Um, thank you. Oh, thank you, James. Uh, there's a microphone here. So Ken's got a really cool testimony that he told me um, last Sunday, and I loved it. So do you want to just give a quick rundown of it? Can you hear me now? Maybe lift it up a bit more. Is it going? Yep. yep. Okay, uh, let me think. 2009, I had a honeymoon. So we went to Christchurch to Akaroa to visit my family home. We left Paraparam with a quarter of a tank of gas. And for some reason, I had this thing I was supposed to use. I think it was a BP card. And I missed the petrol station on the way. So we get to the ferry. We get to Picton late at night. And I think, oh, that's okay, I'll just fill up on the way out of Picton. I don't know what happened, you know, when you're on your honeymoon. <laughs> you get distracted. Anyhow, um, I couldn't find a BP station. Uh, didn't tell my wife. So I think, that's okay, we'll just, you know, you know what it's like, because it was a petrol station somewhere. Well, there wasn't. So we made it to Christchurch on a quarter of a tank that we left Paraparam with. And I still had it when I got to Christchurch. But the whole time she was talking and stuff, I was praying in tongues. <laughs> Not telling her. And I'm looking at the thing and I'm thinking, man, it hasn't moved, it hasn't moved, it hasn't moved. And we got, and we got all the way to Christchurch in a four-wheel drive with a quarter of a tank. Yep. Wow, praise God. That is amazing. That's an example of multiplication. And... Uh, and that is the sorts of things that we can do. Um, usually it comes with a need. You know, we need, we, have, we need to do something. And so we apply our faith. And so I just want to say that God's still doing things like that today. And there's lots of stories around the place, testimonies of people that are, are, are doing that now. So some of the principles or keys of multiplication, I just want to quickly run through. And this is not in any particular order. First one would be a desire to bless. So we need to, we're not, we don't, it's not going to work if we're doing it for selfish reasons. You know, um, God says uh, that, with, that he wants to bless us. Luke 6, 38, what does that say? Let me just quickly find it. It says, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And it says, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So 
with whatever you use when you give, whatever measure you use, whether it be a little teaspoon or whether you use a tablespoon or whether you use an ice cream container or a big um, dump truck size, whatever measure you use, it will be God's going to take that same type of measuring and give back to you. So, so we need to have a desire to bless. Obviously, God wants to bless us because we can bless others when we've got overflow, right? So, so, but the primary motivation can't be ourselves. Um, second point is make a, a habit daily of blessing and giving praise to God as our provider. You know, God responds when we have a thankful heart. Psalm 100 verse 4 says that. And third point is faith. So as you step out in faith, it will multiply. So he's going to provide supernaturally for us. Definitely will. Hebrews 11.6 is a scripture for that one. Point four, always give God the first fruits of our increase. We need to make sure we remember that. The first fruits of our increase are due back to God because he's the one that supplied us with it in the first place. And so Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 is talking about that one. And point five, put the kingdom of God of highest priority in your life. Matthew 6.33. So those are the things we need to think about and make sure we're doing. So to apply them, here's three tips. First of all, bless and thank and praise God every day. Thank you, God, for my provision. Thank you, Lord, that you provide our every need. Thank you, Father God, you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Thank you, Father God, that we have an abundance for everything we need. Thank you, God, that fuel in my tank is, is multiplied, not running out. Thank you, God, the food in my cupboard is, 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 my cupboard is full. <laughs> Thank you, God, for that. Um, second thing is, when you go to the grocery shop or to the petrol station or to work, apply your faith. You know, God will have, con I want you to have confidence that God will multiply for you. He will multiply what you have. He will multiply your seed, okay? So he will multiply that. So thank him for it. Expect him to multiply. He will do it. And the final thing is always be generous toward God, giving him the highest priority. So um, just winding up, we've got a, a month, um, at the month of June is all about seed time and harvest. And... Uh, at the back of the church is um, who has very kindly set up some tables with some of our uh, grocery items that we have on hand for people in need. And, um, and so I, I just want to encourage us as a church to bring in something, something or some things, whatever you feel, something that's non-perishable and useful as a grocery item, whatever it might be. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be food. It could be paper towels maybe or toilet paper or canned food or pasta or whatever. Um, we want to be able to bless people in need. And so, you know, when we give as a church, you're part of that. You're part of that. And when we, when we add our faith to what we sow over there, um, we will reap a harvest much bigger and it's going to be a multiplied harvest. So you can, you're welcome to bring in 
things on a Sunday or during the week, Monday to Thursday, a fair amount of the time there's people here, um, certainly Monday and Tuesday. And I just want you to really use your faith when you do that, okay? Use your faith and thank God for multiplying your seed as you give. 